Thank you for listening to the podcast from The House, a local church in Rock Island, Illinois. For more information, check out www.thehouseqc.com. We are in the last week of our series called Table Living. Uh, Throughout the first eight months of this year, we're spending one month focusing on a different way for us to grow in our relationship with God. Last week we talked about rest and Sabbath for the whole month. This week we've been talking about community, about coming to the table. What does it mean to be a part of a church? We started with the concept that there was this younger son that was a prodigal that ran away from home, that took half of everything his family had, and he found out that he could still come home, that there was always a place at the table for him. And then we found out that there was an older brother that was pretty upset about that. He didn't like the idea that the things that he was putting on the table were going to be used for someone that was basically his enemy. Someone had taken half what his family had and then had come back for more. We find out that not only is there a place for you when it's time to come back, but that everything that we have belongs on the table, even if it ends up being given to someone we think is our enemy. And I think it's important for us to remember that the way that God has built things, that our enemy is our brother. That even the person that we feel like is an enemy can still be a part of our family. And then last week we talked about how sometimes churches can get wobbly, especially when we have a hard time figuring out where we belong on that table or in that table or in that church. And God is encouraging us to figure out what it is that we are meant to be in that church and to stick it out to figure out how to start building legacy and start building generations. So today I want to expand a bit. Have you guys ever heard of uh, the app called Open Table? Anybody? All right. Has anybody used it? Anybody used Open Table? I see someone nodding. Okay. Thank you for that nonverbal affirmation. Yes? Okay. So Open Table is an app that was made in 1998, and it was meant to help people make reservations at restaurants. There's a ton of competition now. There's a ton, ton of different ones uh, that do it now, but they're still the biggest. Right now, it makes 23 million reservations a month. 23 million reservations a month through this one app. That's 276 million reservations every single year. It feels like everybody is looking for an open table. Everyone's looking for a place to belly up. Everyone is looking for a place to sit down and eat. But this is the thing. That doesn't even scratch the surface, guys. 276 million reservations is not even one reservation per American per year. Are you ready for this? If you had to guess, how often do you think that the average American eats out each month? Some guesses. Eight, okay. Anyone else? Let's get three or four. We got eight, 60 or 16? 16. 16. Four? 20. All right. So we got eight, 16, four, and 20. The average American eats out about 26 times a month. That is 5.9 times a week. That's 307 times a year. Oh, snap. Uh, in Illinois, I think I, I pulled it up here somewhere. In Illinois, the average Illinoisan spends $2,400 a year on eating out. 
at an average of like $10.11 per time that they eat. We all have to eat, right? We, we all have to eat. And without a doubt, there are open tables all around us that are ready to feed us, and they are all competing for our attention. All of them. They, there's science about what colors to use in a sign to make you want to come in. Science and what color things should be when you go into the restaurant to make you more hungry. All of these tables are trying to get our attention. And believe it or not, Jesus was talking about this 2,000 years ago. So let's open up our Bibles and see what Jesus has to say in Luke chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles out in the lobby. You can take one, just steal it, just take it. It's yours uh, right off of that uh, bookshelf. Uh, otherwise, you can download uh, a digital Bible from any of the app stores. Uh, they all work basically the same way. We're going to be in Luke. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. So if you see any of those other words, you know you're in the right area. We go to Luke 14. And will you please stand with me as we read the Word of God, starting Luke 14, verse 16, says this. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. And the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let us pray. God, your word has persisted, stood strong throughout the years and millennia. I pray that you help us understand it today. I pray that whatever you have for us would stick, that it would become a part of the framework of our faith, that our faith would become stronger. We would become more like your son, Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. All right, so first of all, this quote-unquote certain man is no ordinary man. Jesus is talking about his father. He's talking about God. When we hear a lot of these stories and we hear parables, we are meant to ask ourselves what part do we play in that. And Jesus is often telling a story about his heavenly father. He's saying that God has a banquet and that there is a guest list. He has thoughtfully created a meal. He has thoughtfully created space and he has thoughtfully created an invitation list. Everything is ready. And in verse 17... It says that he sends out a servant to let the invitees know that this is the day. This is the day the party is ready. So this might seem weird when we read it because we might think, well, shouldn't he give them a little more time than that? All right, well, he did, okay? Traditionally, this is what would happen. The invite went out far in advance. If you read it carefully, you'll notice that it says that he went out to tell those that had been invited. 
This should not be a surprise. Right now, I have on my refrigerator two save-the-date things for weddings that are not happening for a very long time. We received one of them that's going to happen in July. We received it like last October. That's not even the invitation. It's just the save the date. And then there's another invitation. But for them, what they would do to make sure that people were there was that they would send out the invite and then they would also send someone out on the day. Could you imagine doing this today for our wedding? You, you sent out the save the date, you sent out invitations, you sent out RSVPs, then on the day you sent out an actual person to knock on every single door of every single person that you invited. Could you imagine doing that? That, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it, that's the next bougie trend. The next bougie trend is going to be, oh, I've got this, and someone knocks on your door and says, hey, uh, they just wanted to make sure you were actually coming today, yes? If you just read the story and you don't know the history, you might think that these people have good excuses because they're getting caught off guard, that they're just hearing about it for the first time right now. But they had known for a while. So with that in mind, when you look at verse 18, 19, 20, we get three excuses. Who remembers what they were? What were the excuses? Yeah, getting married. It's actually, I have just gotten married. So maybe it's like, oh, my wife would kill me if I go to this thing now. What else? Bought a field, bought some land, and I have to go see it. What else? Oxen. Bought oxen. They sound like good answers, right? Sound like good excuses. Marriage, land, oxen, yoked oxen would have meant something that could help you plow your field. These are all symbols of kingdom. These are all symbols of family expanding your own kingdom. This is land that I bought now. And now I have oxen that can make my land more valuable. And I've married into another family. I'm expanding something. There is something that is important that is happening here, but there's something that Luke isn't telling us. Jesus tells an almost identical story in the book of Matthew. And the way that Matthew tells it, Jesus is actually talking about a king. He says that a king has a great wedding feast. Now, why does Luke leave that out? Luke leaves it out because he assumes that we're paying attention when we read this, okay? Just to be blunt. Because right before this, he tells another story and someone says to Jesus, oh, blessed are those who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. So when Jesus starts to tell this story, the assumption is that we as the reader will hear and that they as the listeners would have connected the idea that someone just talked about the kingdom of God and now Jesus is telling a story about a certain man. There's meant to be an immediate connection. Oh, this is an important man. This is, this is someone like a king. So when they hear the excuses that these three people had for not going, not accepting the invite from someone like a king to the banquet or wedding feast the king had prepared, the people listening to Jesus 
would have been laughing. In one of the commentaries that I read, it actually said that. That in that day and time, in that culture, that the people would have found these excuses laughable by comparison to the invitation that they had received. If you say, I bought a field to the king, and this is the reason I can't come to your banquet. Where is that field? In the kingdom. In the kingdom of the king. If you say I bought oxen so that I can plow the ground, where is that? In the kingdom. If you say that I got married, where did you get married? Where are you going to have to live out the longevity of that marriage? In the kingdom, underneath the king that you are standing up. And listen, they're not just saying, I got married or I bought land in oxen. They're saying, I have more important obligations. I've known about this banquet, yes. But these things seemed more important. It's hard to imagine people not laughing at the concept that something else was a more important obligation than the king. That they would have more important obligations than to show up at that table on that day. So the servant comes back. He comes back empty-handed. Verse 21 says, So the king says, So go get the poor. Go get the blind. Get the lame. Get the crippled. Luke's Gospel If you read the whole of Luke's Gospel, we've been talking about this at the men's Bible study on Saturday morning. By the way, that's going to be moving to Monday night, but that's, that's a side note. We've been talking about this concept that the book of Luke, that Luke is all about the outsider. When you read throughout the book of Luke, you see how he's constantly showing you how Jesus is reaching out to the outsiders. And a tax collector was particularly hated was particularly considered an outsider because for a Jew to become a tax collector, to take his own people's money for Rome and then to take a cut for themselves was like salt in the wound. Not only are you an Israelite and you're a Jew and you are subjugated and being ruled by another country, but one of your own brothers is taking money from you, keeping some of it and giving the rest to your enemies. It was like being betrayed like a brother, like one brother betraying the family and then rubbing it in. Does that sound familiar? I'm telling you this for two reasons. Because in the book of Luke, Jesus tells the story that we have just read, maybe minutes before he tells the story about the brother that takes half of the inheritance, wastes it, and then comes back for more. It's a story about an older brother feeling betrayed by the younger brother. The younger brother taking half and then taking advantage of of a father's love. But the other reason I'm telling you this is because this story that Jesus is telling about someone throwing a banquet and no one wanting to come, there's a nearly identical Jewish story that goes back 400 years older than Jesus. Nearly identical, but it's a story about a tax collector. And this guy that he wants to make friends with the rich. 
He wants to become friends with the aristocrats, with the wealthy, with the rulers, with royalty. So he puts together this lavish feast for them and he he holds nothing back. He spends a lot of money and then he sends out the servants to tell them that it's time to come. But the rich and the influential that are invited, they rebuke him. They reject him because he's not good enough for them. They have more important obligations and they could not be seen with him. So what does the tax collector do in this story? From 400 years before Jesus, he doesn't want the food to go to waste. And so he invites all the poor. Jesus is basically comparing the kingdom of God to a story about an outsider tax collector that a tax collector understood that the table will not go to waste. That a table, that a tax collector knew it was better to invite anyone and everyone than to let the feast spoil. In the United States, we spend $72 billion every year on weddings. That was billion with a B. $22 billion of that is the catering. What would you do again? If on the day of your wedding, no one showed up, you'd probably cry. But could you go out into the streets and invite everyone you could find to a feast they didn't know was going to happen, to a celebration? they did not know was there. Jesus is saying that God has opened the doors to everyone. That the table is open. Because the important, the highly religious, they don't see it. That nothing that God has prepared should go to waste. What do we do with that? What do we do when we start to see the pieces of a story come together? What does it mean for us? How do we participate with it? Well, the first thing is that we need to accept the invitation. You're sitting in this room. My guess is that you have or are at least pretty close to accepting the invitation to be a part of God's kingdom. But I think that we are meant to invite other people in. I think that in this story, there's only two people that we can be. We can either be the people that had an excuse for not going, or we can be the servant that's going out to invite others in. Just like the people in the story have three excuses, I think that we have three tables. Let's talk about those. You have your own table. Um, maybe if you're in college, you don't have a kitchen table, but you know what I mean. You have a you have a place that you call your own. You have your own table. You have this table, and you have an eternal table. And you, hear me, you are meant to invite 
everyone you know to all three of those tables. Say it with me. Everyone I know, everyone I know, say it again, everyone I know, wait, what? Everyone I know should be invited to a table. Everyone. Everyone. I feel like uh, the, the, the kid from, from Sandlot. Forever. Forever. Everyone. I don't know what happens to us. We get invited into a banquet and we accept the invitation. We end up in a room like this in a relationship with a God like our God. And then somehow we forget to invite anyone else. As though the banquet is only for us. But it's not. Because if we get to a place where we think that the banquet is only for us, do you know who we are? We're the one that bought the land. We're the one that bought the cattle. We're the one that got married and thought that those things were more important than coming to the table of a king at his invitation. So first, I'll ask a serious question. When was the last time you invited others to your own table in your own home? When was the last time that other people came to your home sat down at your table and had a meal with you? Don't answer out loud. Some of you might feel a little, little guilty right now, and that's okay. That's called conviction. When was the last time you invited someone to your home, to your table, into your life? Eric Rowell is one of our elders here, and, and he says that it's so important to invite people from different cultures and different places to your home, to your table, because the people you invite to your table will expand your world. You may just find out that the people you invite to your table not only expand your world, but they end up finding about the table of the Lord because you invited them into your home. So I want to challenge you. Has it been more than six months since you've had someone eat in your home? Has it been more than a year since you've had someone eat in your home? Since you've had people come over? And now, why? Was it because you bought some land? Was it because you bought five oxen of cattle? Was it because you got married? Do you hear the facetiousness in my voice? We come up with all kinds of reasons to not extend the invitation to others that God has given to us. Second, we can all invite others to this table. I set up every chair that was available today. There's a lot of empty seats. Normally we have around 140 seats set up. We have around 77 in attendance. And today I set up all 170 available chairs. We own 198 chairs. But there's some out in the lobby and there's some in offices. And, and maybe someday we will need 198 chairs because there's these social dynamics that happen once a room is 60, 70% full, people feel like it's full, 
anyway, and so you've got to set up more chairs than there actually will be people. But that's not the point. The point is that could we all agree that we've got some room to grow? Yes? Amen? Yeah, we have some room to grow. And yeah, there's, I, I was telling the truth. There was quite a few people that let me know they weren't going to be here today. So I think that today is, is an anomaly. But even if everyone was here, we would still have room to grow. We can invite people to our own homes, to our own tables, and we can always invite people to this table. So why do churches need to grow? Not just for the sake of growth. Because when we invite people to our table, when we invite people to this table, what we are really doing is what? We're inviting them to the eternal table. And everyone that you know needs to be at that final table. Paul says, but how will they know if we do not speak? How will they know if we do not preach the word? We are here to invite people to a table inside of a house. Because verse 23 says this, that certain man said to the servants, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in. When was the last time that you felt compelled? But turn it around. When was the last time you compelled someone else. Hey, you want to come over for dinner? Well, i got some things going on. Come on, man. Come on. I would love to cook for you. Side note, I would love to order out for you. <laughs> when was the last time you invited someone into this table? You know, I'm not really into church. Come on, man. I promise you that it is probably different than what you have experienced before. It is a good table. Maybe you ate something bad, drank something sour, but I'll be there with you. Let me compel you to come back to the house, or maybe for the first time. When was the last time that we invited someone to an eternal table? I want to spend eternity with my Lord. And I would really love it if you were with us too. These three tables we all have. We will all, every day, battle three excuses not to invite people to those tables. But we have a great king that has invited us and everyone we know to a great feast. So I encourage you. It's time to invite someone home. It's time to invite a prodigal in. It's time to adopt the spiritually homeless. So that in our lifetime, we see a massive shift from spiritual homelessness to a strong, undeniable sense of spiritual family. Not just here, but in our cities, on our campuses, 
in our workplaces and in our neighborhoods. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you've given us this word. Pray that you would encourage us to follow you, to trust in you, to be everything that we can be for you. That we would invite people to the table so that we can share that table for all eternity. Amen. If you were impacted by this message and would like to contribute to the ministries of the house, a local church, please go to www.thehousequc.com and click on Give.